Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are so excited to bring you an interview with the author of the Afra audiobook, Sarah Kuhn. And we were so excited, a little nervous, but very excited to talk to her. It was a really fun conversation that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And just this serves as a spoiler warning because we did talk about the end of the drama. So everyone listening to this, please buy the audiobook because Caitlin and I are huge fans of this audio drama format. We think it's so great and we need more to be made because this whole yearly cadence of an audio drama, while amazing, as this is the second, we want more. (laughs) And please support this because this was (laughs) such a treat. I think that we can all agree that this is a really cool format that we'd love to see the Star Wars brand continue to explore. So please go out and buy it. And so you can listen to Afra in all her glory and then listen to this amazing interview. So spoiler warning for the upcoming interview. It is a great interview full of spoilers. So you have been warned. But I think you guys are really going to enjoy our discussion with Sarah. She was so fun and had a lot to say about the process of writing Afra, uh, adapting her from the comic book into an audio book format, which is very different, as well as a lot about her character development and her relationships with the the other players in this audio book. It was a really great conversation, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. And without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? So we are absolutely thrilled to welcome Sarah Kuhn, the author of the latest and second official Star Wars audio drama, Dr. Afra, an audiobook original. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Yeah, we're so, so happy to have you here. We both really loved the audio drama, the audiobook. It was so fun and it felt like such a breath of fresh air and I, I don't know. I, we're, we've been looking forward to talking to you for a little bit because we loved it so much. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we are big fans of the audio drama format. I think that Dooku Jedi Lost just knocked us off our socks last year. And it was definitely one of my favorite things to come out of uh, 2019 as far as like books and what Star Wars was doing. And so to have another one with Dr. Afra this year, I was just really looking forward to it. And I hope that they continue to do a lot more audio dramas because it's it's they're so fun. I just they're they're such a good ride. So for our first question, we kind of wanted to back up a little bit, actually. And we saw that you were featured recently in the documentary on Netflix, The Claudia Kishi Club. And you said this really great thing in it. (laughs) You said, a theme that connects all my work is Asian girls have fun. And so I wanted to ask you, what does it mean to have the character of Afra as a a part of your body of work now? Oh, I mean, it's amazing. I love her so much. And she is a lot of fun. And I think uh, one of the things that has always really appealed to me about her and just makes her so exciting to write is that she is so, um, I guess, unapologetic and enthusiastic about who she is. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like she really gets to be, you know, 100% herself and i i do feel like she's maybe one of the few people in star wars who's just having the best time like she's really living her best life and i've always appreciated that about her so um to get to write someone like that who um you know obviously there are darker parts there are sadder parts but I love that she kind of looks at everything as an adventure and is just really thrilled when she gets to go on these different adventures. So um, I think she fits in really perfectly. And, uh, you know, it, it just felt pretty cool to be offered something that was not only a franchise that I've, I've loved all my life, but is also kind of a character who is really a perfect fit for me. I love how you said that Afra is kind of one of the few characters in Star Wars who just really seems to be living her best life. <laughs> because it's true, there are so many characters in Star Wars that they struggle a lot. <laughs> You know, that's like, I mean, I understand too that that's like, you know, part of telling a story. Like if you're a a major character in a giant 
franchise and you have to go and kind of, you know, save the galaxy or whatever it is. A lot of that isn't fun. It's actually quite stressful. So (laughs) I understand why a lot of the characters when we meet them are maybe not having the best time. But I do love that Afra gets to, you know, have her fun. She always has the last word and I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the process and the challenges of adapting a comic into an audio drama. I think Alpha really shines in this audio drama format and to be able to hear her voice and everything. And I'd love to hear how the process was, the process of writing and um, everything that kind of went into creating this awesome drama. Yeah, I mean, it was a really cool experience. And it was really interesting to be uh, not just adapting, but writing something specifically for audio. That's not something that I've really done before. Um, And I think really the first crucial thing, the first kind of important decision we made um, was, you know, I had a conversation with Elizabeth Schaefer, who's the awesome editor at Delray, and Nick Martorelli, who's the amazing producer. And um, I think we had all reread the Darth Vader comics and kind of revisited what this story was. And the first thing that we really had to decide was the lens. I felt like that was going to, you know, really guide the story and kind of put it into a context. And we, of course, decided that we wanted Afra to tell this story from her own POV. You know, there were some other possibilities that were kind of thrown around I think maybe Nick said something about like what if it was triple zero because obviously he would have (laughs) a lot of interesting observations about things but I think we really felt strongly all of us that um, if you have a character like this you know of course something like this is going to be really fun to tell in her voice and really deeply from her perspective and since the comics were called Darth Vader not Afra. Um, at least not until later, Um, that seems like a really fun way to go to really put this story firmly in her POV. Um, So that was really a decision that guided everything else. And then um, I did a little kind of outline slash pitch document. And that was where I kind of made some of the bigger decisions, or at least choices that I hoped would become decisions that everybody would be okay with. Um, like sort of this framing device of, you know, she's making a recording. We don't really know what it's for or if it even has a purpose beyond her just wanting to talk about how awesome she is. And, um, you know, we talked about like different parts of the story we wanted to expand on or bring out. And really the, the line that stood out for me, it was one of, you know, the great lines that Kieran Gillen wrote for her, Um, was something like, you know, the way I've lived, I know I'm lucky to be alive. And I I felt like that was really crucial in sort of unlocking what the lens was for this story, what her perspective was, what she was kind of dealing with, because she's obviously a very chaotic person. She loves to run towards danger and adventure, but she also has this hardwired in survival instinct that you know, has really grown um, from the way that she was raised and her childhood and her background and all of that. And I thought those two things kind of are in conflict with each other. So, you know, that was kind of the bigger picture thing that I I thought of that we, you know, we went from there. And then as far as, you know, adapting the comic book story, um, a lot of it was, you know, figuring out how to... um, create these scenes or, you know, recontextualize these scenes. So not only were they from Afro's POV, but they made sense for audio. You know, you don't have the Mm -hmm. great visuals you have in the comic book. You don't have Salvador LaRocca's amazing art. Like you can't see it. So um, a lot of that was figuring out, you know, where are points where we need to actually like describe things? What are sort of these soundscapes sounding like so that they give they can paint a picture for the viewer even though we don't have actual pictures and um it really kind of felt to me like a combination of writing for all the different mediums I write for you know in terms of prose you you have to like describe things because people can't see it in front of them um in terms of comics and screenwriting it was like you know don't let this but at the same time don't let these scenes be interrupted by like long blocks of text where there's you know no dialogue and kind of no flow to the scene so it was a lot of bringing all of those things together so that when you're listening 
hopefully it's a full experience and you don't feel like you're missing something and you feel like you're still getting that full story. And then, you know, we also really kind of tried to bring together that whole arc and and make it an arc for Afra and fill in the spots that were missing and, you know, bring out some elements of the story that we thought might be well served by audio. Yeah, I I feel like as someone who's listened to it, I got the full experience and I I tracked with everything that was going on. So 10 for 10. (laughs) You said things um, when you were speaking just now that really stood out to me about Afra and her survival instinct and like kind of bringing her on a full arc. And I feel like that it was really poignant at the end when she kind of came to terms with her own will to live I found that so compelling and it was really emotional so I think that was something that really stood out to me in the drama but one thing you discussed was about the framing narrative of the drama which uh, Charlotte and I both find really fascinating and you know I'm uh, in my day job I'm an architectural historian so I think a lot about history and and how things are told to us and how we know Mm -hmm. that the things that we know and I think about that a lot in terms of Star Wars it's something we bring up a lot on the show is how does everyone know what's happened before and what is propaganda and what is truth and I, I think it's a really interesting concept in Star Wars given that we just have so much time with it And I think it's so fascinating that Afra herself is a historian and an archaeologist, someone that is meant to uncover the past. But here she is writing her own narrative and making a lot of notes for herself to go back and make edits and um, rewrite how she's presented in some of these situations. And how complicated is it to write a a character like Afra, who is a historian, but is ultimately an unreliable narrator in some instances? I mean, to be honest, I just thought it was a lot of fun. I think there's kind of a fine line between like, you know, saying someone's an unreliable narrator and then presenting versions of events that are maybe like obviously false. And I didn't, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to say like, you know, here's something that didn't happen that she's just saying it happened. Um, but I, I think we thought it was fun. And Elizabeth and I talked about this a lot in terms of like also, how that kind of takes advantage of the audio format because you do have this person making the recording and she's in control. And, you know, it's kind of like when you write in your diary and you're like, don't read this part or mom, keep out, or, you know, you like tear certain pages out because you just don't want people to read that. And so I kind of thought it, thought of it like that where what we're hearing is it's still a true story. Like she's not completely inventing things, but like all of us do when we tell any story, you know, she's embellishing a little bit. There are parts where she wants to make herself sound more awesome. So she does. There are parts that are a little too real. So she's like, maybe I'll delete that later. Um, (laughs) But hopefully you still get an idea of what actually happened, even though the way she's telling it to you is really creative. Um, And, you know, I think that um, as far as her also being an archaeologist and a historian and like someone who actually is in some ways tracking, you know, facts, I think that the way she approaches that is also quite creative. So I feel like it does, in my head, really, you know, make sense with the way that she tells her own story. Sometimes the way that she tells the stories of different artifacts or what she's going to do with them or how she's looking for them or whatever it is, is also through her own lens, you know? And that's, I mean, that's also all of history, right? It it depends on who is telling it, what version Mm -hmm. of it and what things, even if the, the facts or the events are true, the um, the things that are embellished, the things that are highlighted, the things that are perhaps not said um, also have to do with who is telling that story and, you know, who gets to tell that story. So I think that's a really interesting, um, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, but yeah, to me, it was mostly, it was mostly just fun because it was kind of like, you know, None of this is maybe exactly, exactly how it happened, but hopefully you get the idea of where she's maybe changing things or embellishing things a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's 
it's fun because it is in a way we're kind of hearing like the unedited version right now. Like she's making all these notes for herself yeah. and maybe some of it has already been edited before it reaches us and maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's very layered and I I find that layering very interesting and the the other side of it too is that we find out in the drama that she's kind of uh recording this for Sana and that adds a whole other layer to how she's presenting herself and the things she wants to go back and edit and I think it's it was it was really great kind of tracking with that relationship and and having these flashbacks but then the meeting in the present too it was obviously um, really important to Afra how she portrayed herself in this uh, in this recording for Sana and I think again it was like that poignancy at the end of it where she was like if you ever do hear this it means that I'm really gone and it's just like Afra is so mm-hmm. like you said chaotic and fun but then to come to this like really heavy kind of beat at the end of it it was just done really beautifully I thought but with Sana you know we've seen her in a couple different places throughout canon and she's always had a big impact on pretty much every character she encounters what was it like expanding upon mm-hmm. her history and relationship with Afra in the audio drama format Oh, it was amazing. And I, I should, I mean, I'm assuming you all are putting like a spoiler warning on this, but yeah, the reveal that sh- this, this is why she's making the recording is, I guess, a, a bit of a spoiler um, just because <laughs> you don't know until later, but yeah. Um, you know, whenever I am asked or offered something, um, some something that's licensed, and I've done a, a decent amount of it at this point, um, I always kind of look at what uh, what they're giving me, and then kind of think of what I can bring to it. You know, especially since I'm assuming if they're asking me to, if they're offering me a job, or you know, someone's asking me to pitch on something, it's because they want hopefully what is, um, I guess, unique about my voice and my take that I could bring to the table. Um, So with this, you know, there were a lot of places where Elizabeth and I both thought that we could expand or we could get more into backstory. And the thing that I really zeroed in on um, that was part of that initial pitch was uh, both the the recording kind of framing device and the, the sort of mystery around that, but also um, the relationship with Santa, because I, I felt like that was something that, um, you know, we've seen, we've seen the aftermath where they hate each other and Sana like is literally like, I am going to strangle you and I would like to kill you if I had the chance. And I was always really fascinated by that. I thought they had such great chemistry, even when they hate each other. And yes. so I thought there must there must be a before to that. There must be a place where, you know, the passion kind of ran the other direction. And it was, like, awesome. And they did, you know, presumably have, like, a good time for, for some section of that. So that was kind of what I wanted to explore. You know, I love this idea that, Afra, when she's really at her lowest, is kind of thinking about this this idea that, you know, she jokes about dying because she feels like it's inevitable. But at the same time, she also really wants to live. You know, when she is being strangled by Darth Vader, she saves herself by blackmailing him, which is something that she said she wasn't going to do. And, you know, she doesn't go quietly. Like, it's it's not kind of like what she had sort of bragged about before. Like, I know you're going to kill me, so please do it this way or please don't do it this way. She actually does want to live. And I thought one of the reasons would be that, you know, she's realized, like a lot of us, that if she died right now, she would have regrets. And one of those big regrets is her relation, you know, the way that she kind of ended the relationship with Sana. So um, I wanted to explore that. And I write a lot of romance. And so I thought like, this was like, also a fun way to kind of write a romance in Star Wars, although it does not have a happily ever after because it's Afra. Um and I loved doing that. It was just, it was so much fun. It was so much fun to imagine what their courtship was like, especially since they are who they are. Imagine how they might've been a little bit different when they were younger and hadn't, you know, had all of these experiences yet. And um, to kind of find what was, you know, what was so kind of beautiful about this relationship that when it ended, it obviously affected both of them a lot. 
Um, those are all questions that I enjoy asking myself. So it was a lot of fun because I felt like I got to expand on something that I had kind of wondered about before. And that's sort of an ideal situation, I think, as a, as a Star Wars fan to get to write something that you were curious about that, you know, is maybe not totally in the canon yet. Um, so, yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun. Right. And I, I love it. I think I, I think there's something that's so always so interesting about these uh, quarrelsome romances that are in Star Wars. It's something that keeps me coming back to yeah. the saga. I just I love it. I wanted to ask you about it's something that I think is so important to so many people is the fact that Afra is perhaps the most prominent LGBTQ character in Star Wars at the moment. And I wanted to know how important that was to make sure that that was um, front and center in this story and carried through the audio drama to you. Well, I mean, I feel like that's just who she is, you know, like that, Mm -hmm. that's such a huge, that that's such a huge part of who she is that I think it would be weird and dishonest (laughs) to not, have any of that represented. Um, And of course, I know, you know, she's certainly important to me as far as the representation she brings to the to the galaxy, which is a big Mm -hmm. galaxy. Um, And I know that she's important to a lot of other people for different reasons, for different representational reasons. And so that was something that I also really wanted to honor and to give those fans, you know, what what they love about her and what maybe they wanted to see a little bit more of perhaps um since i'm a fan too all of those things are important to me um but yeah i think you know i just felt like i don't i don't think that was even a question like it was sort of like why you know why wouldn't you do that why wouldn't you have that very represent very represented on the page and um you know i suppose since there is like the romance is a pretty like prominent uh feature of this this particular story um i suppose it, it it's kind of represented front and center and yeah i love that i i don't think that was really um i don't think that was really complicated it was just kind of like this is who the character is that's who she should be and um if that is um exciting to the fellow afro fans that makes me that makes me really happy um so yeah i i just think like when you're when you're thinking of like pitching on any licensed character any official character you also have to think about like how do I stay true to who this person is, even if I'm bringing my own perspective to it, even if I'm expanding upon their story, even if it's, you know, part of their origin story, um, you think you really think about like, what are sort of the the elements that really makes this person who she is. And I felt like that was certainly a big part of who she is. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think part of um, making this audiobook part of the the decision to make it I don't know I don't know everything certainly but you know it was kind of like to maybe bring Afra to some new fans who hadn't gotten a chance to read comics or don't read the comics or that you know that's not maybe not part of their Star Wars experience and I'm hoping that not only does it bring her new fans but it also encourages them to check out a lot of what has already been done with her um, because I think they're there are already so many great Afra stories in the comics and, you know, then she has other romances. That's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I, I'm just happy that, that it's hopefully resonating with her fans who are out there. And um, I would love it if it brought some new people to the Afra fold as well. I have to say I've read, I read the, the comic that this is, based upon um but I didn't finish it to completion and regardless I feel like this story was in a it was was kind of like a a new beginning for me to discover Afra. even if I had read a couple of comics it has been a while and I just it was a it was a real reminder of man I really need to go back and pick up the original comics and then her individual series and all these things and I just to speak to your point I really do think that it's like a beginning of (laughs) it's a good good 101 Afra, you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something that's so great about Star Wars is that there's always 
for a lot of our characters, there's always another place to turn to to see more from them. Yeah. I think it's just something that's so special about this franchise and, and why why we have a podcast devoted to it and spend hours on end talking about <laughs> all of these characters um, because they're just, they yeah, are, sure. yeah, they're just, they're prominent in so many different places and, and the way that they, you know, pop up in some stories and not in others. It's just, it's very, it's very fun. Like I, that seems so simplistic, like a simplistic way to put it, but it really is just a lot of fun. And I think Afro is kind of the perfect embodiment of that for a lot of the reasons that you've been speaking about, Sarah, just how she, she's just having, she's living her best life, even if it's, you know, chaotic at times. (laughs) Um, I know that when Afro... (laughs) Yeah. When Afro first premiered, a lot of people made this comparison of her to Indiana Jones, right? The, the, you know, Indiana Jones is the quintessential archaeologist. Yeah. Um, but is this a comparison you subscribe to or were thinking about when adapting her for an audio drama? I mean, a little bit. I, I think that might have even been something that uh, Kieran had said about her was kind of that, you know, Indiana Jones with the sort of maybe di- slightly different moral compass. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, Indiana Jones is probably still like the most, like, I guess, famous, like pop culture archaeologist, perhaps, <laughs> um, you know, his name is kind of like, say that people just kind of know what you're talking about. And I think a lot of times when we have these, these comps, it's, it's just kind of down to that. It's like, if you say that name, people know, kind of know exactly what you mean. But I think that at this point, she's also really grown into her own thing, you know, maybe someday people will use her as like, the the archetype or the 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 comp like the the example for you know a kind of rogue archaeologist character um but yeah I mean I think at this point like of course that that sort of uh idea of like the Indiana Jones like swashbuckling adventure I think you know that might have been a little bit on my mind but then of course Star Wars itself also has tons of swashbuckling adventure um Mm -hmm. a lot of that too obviously but you know I think at this point um I can still see the inspiration for sure, but I I think she has grown beyond that into kind of her own thing. So a lot of the sort of um, inspiration that was on my mind was just like other Afro material, you know, like rereading these comics. And I, I read, I reread actually all of them um, up until the, the end of her, of her series and to really just get the character in my head to feel like it was sort of in my bones because especially I think when you're writing something like this, where it's first person POV, where you're, you're speaking in her voice the whole time, um, you really have to be able to call that up really easily. So I tried to read those comics like over and over again. I really tried to get that voice in my head and my bones. And so I think like, you know, at the beginning, maybe like you're thinking a little bit about Indiana Jones and sort of that brand of adventure. But by the end, I think it was just it was just all Afro, which is, you know, pretty much the way she would want it. So totally. And not to mention that uh, Indiana Jones and Star Wars are kind of cut from the same mold, quite literally, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it, it comes from the same origin and it's nice to see like you mentioned Afra kind of grow off on a different path than Anita Jones perhaps did and definitely a more chaotic path I think than (laughs) India which is more exciting it's hard to imagine her in the classroom I think yeah, yeah I, so true. But that's what yeah. makes those those scenes with with Sana so interesting, though, is uh, her, you know, her stealing the books. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think that that makes sense where she is coming from in those times at university, you know, yeah. and I, I love that that part. Yeah. Yeah, that was really fun to write. I mean, I, they, you know, they've shown her a little bit uh, at university um, and they've talked about it certainly in the comics, but I thought that seemed like an especially fun place to expand on just because you're like, okay, of course she was probably not a typical student and, you know, there were probably a lot of issues like I'm surprised she actually didn't get expelled like several times um but yeah that was that was a really fun thing to imagine because it was also sort of imagining like what what is Afra like when she does try to sort of date um it's it, it can't be like it you know usually is when people try to date and we kept laughing because there there was kind of this recurring thing where she kept either falling off of things or dropping things. And it was always like creating this commotion. 
And that seems to me like very, I guess, her brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love that scene with the books. And you were talking about, I can't believe she didn't get expelled. And thinking about, because she was stealing rare books out of the library. And it was like, yeah. oh, I really can't believe she didn't get expelled for that. <laughs> um, yeah. You mentioned that you reread all of the comics, obviously, of Afro's comics when preparing for this. Were there other influences that you use when... Uh, adapting this because I feel like the adaptation side of it is very challenging and it's like of course you go back to the source material but there's also a lot that you're uh, creating on your side too so did you have other influences when writing this or what were you mainly pulling and like getting in the head of Afra from the comics I was a lot of getting in the head of Afra um you know I rewatched some other like Star Wars content like so you know all the movies are on Disney plus now so I think sometimes I just had those on because having that sort of um, that texture, like getting into the atmosphere, remembering like how things are are named sometimes because there were some things I had to like give new names to. um, That was all that was all part of, I think, the, the inspiration. And then, you know, I think the other, I guess, outside inspiration that wasn't the comics or wasn't even Star Wars was just that. Uh, you know, I read and write a lot of romance. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that is a really good lesson people can people who maybe aren't writing in that genre or writing in an adjacent genre or whatever, is that in romance, um, you really have to track how those two characters are feeling at every moment. And you sort of have to track the arc of that. And sometimes it's just a very small change from scene to scene. But hopefully what it ends up it as is you know something that makes you feel something at the end and so that's something I was really keeping in mind when I was writing especially the Afra and Sana thread because it, it it's actually not like a ton of scenes but it's enough that it has its own arc it has a build and then it really has to pay off later it has to pay off in a couple different ways you know when she sees her again after not after not seeing Sana for a long time um when she um is sort of thinking back of their relationship. And then of course, when you have this reveal that, you know, she's been making this recording this whole time for Sana, even though there's kind of an idea that I don't think Afra would just like mail this to her. Like she would want her to like (laughs) find it or she would want to create some fiction where it was like a stranger sent it to her. I feel like when she started it, she actually didn't even mean to tell Sana that it was for her. I feel like, she was just kind of making this recording as a story and she was going to be like, Oh, it accidentally ended up, you know, on her, on her galactic doorstep or something. But um, (laughs) like in order for us to care for us to care that, Oh, this is why she's making the recording. This is why she's worried about having regrets. This is perhaps a very big regret in her life. You kind you really have to set that up and sell that relationship so that people care when you get to that point. Um, so that's something I was really thinking about was sort of the lessons I've learned writing romance and how you kind of have to track the emotional state of both of those characters throughout the whole thing. And in this case, of course, you're mostly tracking Afra's emotional state, which is very tumultuous and which also she'll tell you it's one thing, but you can actually tell it's something else. Uh, when you listen to her. So I think those were like the main things that were really like influences on me while I was writing this. That's super interesting. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about writing for Darth Vader. I would assume, and this is just from my perspective, that writing Darth Vader could be particularly difficult because it can. I can imagine it's a struggle between wanting to write someone who is so reserved in the way that Darth Vader is, but then also wanting to get the drama of emotion that Vader comes with, especially as Anakin. Um, and I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about writing Vader and how that was for you, if it was super easy or, or what. Um, well, it's interesting because, you know, Vader... Like, I feel like he doesn't, like, he is a man of few words. Like, when he's talking, it's usually not very much, but (laughs) it's that sort of perfect, like, threatening, you know, one-liner. And, um, yeah, I mean, my usual style is more like Afra. It's very gregarious. It's very personal. It's, you know, a little bit funny. It feels a little bit off the cuff. And um, 
so Vader, I think, was more challenging for me just because it has to be reserved and it has to be ominous, but it has to be that in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And luckily, you know, Kieran had already written a lot of his dialogue. So um, a lot I did. I did write some dialogue for him. I did write some new stuff for him. But sometimes it was just that it was more about that beat of silence. Like, I think there were a lot of points in the book where the the um, the description line is something just, oh, it's, you know, another ominous beat of Darth Vader's breathing because you just sort of need that beat where she's like reacting to him. And he says a lot more in his silences sometimes than he says in his dialogue mm. because he does have that, you know, that very distinctive way of breathing <laughs> through his helmet. So um, it was, that was challenging. You know, he of course has much less to say than Afra, but every time we had a new line for him or we had a beat of breathing, it sort of had to be very carefully executed um, because not, not as many people may know what Afra sounds like, but I feel like everybody knows what Darth Vader sounds like mm. and they can kind of tell when it's off. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a, a challenge that was interesting to um, to play with. Right, right. I found myself in when I was listening, thinking about the similarities between Vader and Afra, and I suppose Afra herself does this too. So it kind of uh, you know when she thinks like, oh, this is a great partnership, um, everything like that. And I was thinking about how. It's I don't know, I just find it kind of interesting to consider the similarities between these two characters, Afra and Vader. Mm-hmm. And do you think they're similar at all? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that um, one thing that I talked about a lot with Elizabeth was kind of like, you know, what is her, what is she feeling about Vader? Because we are getting one version in the comics, but you're not getting necessarily a lot of you know, her interiority, like what she's thinking during this time, because that would not really be, you know, in place in a comic, Um, especially since, again, the comic's Darth Vader, it's not Afro. So um, we talked a lot about how she saw Vader and whether she saw, you know, points of connection or things like that. And so, of course, she does see him as another Mark because she kind of sees everybody as a Mark. And the whole time she's kind of trying to figure out how she can manipulate him, you know, how she can use the situation to her advantage, how can, how she can access his power. And but at the same time, she's also kind of fascinated by him. And I think one of the reasons, I thought one of the reasons, um, which, you know, Elizabeth and I talked about a lot, was that one, he does kind of, she does get this idea that he kind of sees something in her that maybe other people haven't, that she has this sort of potential for for greatness. She has this potential to be amazing. And if someone would just recognize it instead of, you know, kicking her out of class or firing her or getting mad at her because she did something a little bit unorthodox, they would be able to like see her, her brilliance, right? And she'd be able to really achieve that brilliance and have all the adventures that she wants. Um, And I think that she does see that Vader, you know, at this point, he is like kind of in the doghouse with the empire. He's, you know, not as, as respected as maybe he once was. He's trying to get back into the emperor's good graces and really, you know, show what a badass he is. And he's also trying to figure out, you know, the whole thing with Luke. Right. So um, I think she does feel this kind of connection of like, Oh, like we have both been, kind of disrespected we have both been underestimated we have both been maybe not treated as we should be but we are secretly or not so secretly brilliant we're both brilliant and you know we should both have the chance to to shine and so I think she does see that and then she also kind of sees this a little bit of a connection and you know she can tell that there are certain things where he maybe has the reaction that to to someone else, it would be nothing. It would just be regular Darth Vader. But to her, because she's been studying him so much so she can find those weaknesses, find those vulnerabilities she can, she can take advantage of. um, She does notice that he has kind of a different reaction when certain things come up. Like when Padme comes up, she's like, Oh, interesting. (laughs) He, he seems to be having a reaction to that. Um, you know, when anything about this, this random farm kid who destroyed the Death Star comes up, she's like, wow, he really seems, you know, kind of 
extra invested in this. Um, and so I think like she has those feelings for certain people in her past and certain events that have happened in her past. So she's like, um, no, I, I get that. Like, I get that he's having an emotion, but he's trying not to. And he's also trying not to let me see that. And so, yeah, I think there are like similarities between them. And I think she sees that and kind of tries to take advantage of that. And then, of course, because it's Darth Vader, she kind of ends up playing herself. And one thing that I thought was really interesting was I felt like, you know, that moment when he he tries to kill her and she basically blackmails him and is like, I know where Luke is. And that's what gets him to stop. Um, I felt like that was the moment where she was like, oh, wait a minute. OK, hold on. I actually don't want him to lightsaber chop me. I do want to live. Now I have to figure out how to do that. Um, but it's also the moment where she kind of realizes that he doesn't see her in the same light. Like he, he isn't seeing that connection, you know, that has really only been kind of special or, you know, for her, like that's something that she noticed, but if he noticed, he didn't really care about. And he kind of just sees her as like another bug that he can squash with really no, no feeling around it. Um, So I felt like that was something that was really interesting to me. Um, because it did seem like a bit of a turn at that point where she's like, oh, okay, right. Like, this is not, this is not going to turn into, you know, a beautiful partnership that will span the galaxy. This is actually still a situation that I need to extricate myself from. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating, Afra's perception of Vader and the fact that she would even want to have this great partnership with him when I think, a lot of people when they meet Vader, it's they they want to leave. <laughs> but it, yeah. I really like <laughs> I really loved how you described it, and you you kind of went through all the beats that I was thinking about in my head too about um, you know how she wants Vader to see something in her, something different, because she in turn also notices these moments of pause with him and her thinking that there's this connection there. Yeah. Uh, and thinking that she's playing into his weaknesses. And of course, she's the only one who knows what his weaknesses are because she's very observant about... And and you were talking about this when you were talking about like writing Vader and how these moments of pause are often more important than when he's actually saying. And having Afra be there to tell us like, oh, I noticed the way he stiffens just a little bit more when I bring up Luke. It was, it was really, it was really fascinating. And I thought it was, it was very effective because I, like you said, it was probably so challenging writing about or writing Vader. um, And like everyone knows and has an expectation of him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's one of, I think the most iconic characters ever created. Like (laughs) even if you've never seen star, any star Wars, you know, you know what that breathing sounds like, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's I feel like that's a list of very few characters out there. Yeah, I also something that strikes me as another similarity between Afra and Vader is that perhaps those moments of weaknesses where he can where she can sense the his his sort of weakness come from Afra's own experience with regret um about Sana. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and I I think that's so interesting because we know Vader has, you know, a lot of uh relationship issues that he's dealing with his entire life, right? <laughs> and th- he lives his life as Darth Vader filled with regret. So recognizing that emotion within him, I guess would just be something that uh Afro would be so good at. Yeah, and I think also they're they're both two people they're two people who are really trying not to have emotions because of everything they've both been through. Um, So I felt like that was also like, you know, it's sort of like it takes a person like that to recognize that in someone else. And so I think like anyone else watching him would just be like, oh, you know, he's just taking an extra long pause this time. Um, And because she's made it her, you know, her job to really study him so that she can figure out how to take advantage of him later. um, I I felt like she would be able to see that in him because it's something that she's not comfortable with in herself. 
Yeah, absolutely. I just I love the the ending with both of them and on this emotional beat of her realizing who Luke is and that emotional tether there for Vader and kind of putting the pieces together while also putting the pieces together for herself that this is for Sana and she has this will to live and you know doesn't want to die with regret. I just the the parallel is not one that I would have expected coming into this story, but I think it was so well done and I, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So for our last question, we have a tradition here on our show, Sky Talkers, where we ask all of our guests if you could have dinner with any five Star Wars characters or creators or actors, uh, living or dead, real or imagined, who would they be and why? And the the goal of the dinner party, the Star Wars dinner party, as we call it, is to have really good conversation. And we love hearing people's answers. So <laughs> we wanted to know who would be the five people you would want to have have at your Star Wars dinner party. <laughs> and they all have to come. No one can reject them. Oh, invite. my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, let me think. I mean, that's, like, one of those questions where I'm like, oh, my God, like, how, like, first of all, I've forgotten every Star Wars character that I know. And also, how do I choose? Um, yep. <laughs> I feel like I would, I would have to, I would, cause, because, like, you can't just, like, do the, you know, the thing where you're like, what would you do if you had three wishes? I'd wish for all the wishes. Like, I just invite everybody. Um, so if you were limiting it to, like, five, like, a nice, you know, a nice dinner party. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would probably have to come up with, like, a theme so that yes. we could have, like, you know, certain conversations. I would, pro- you know what, I, I would probably honestly go with the space Asians. Um, because if it's not um, clear from everything I have said ever, I am Asian American. And um, I love, you know, seeing faces like mine in um, in the this, this fr- massive franchise that I have grown up with. And so let's see, I feel like, there's actually more than five now, um, you know, like Jess Pava, uh, the Tico sisters, um, the 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 awesome dudes from Rogue One, and um, Afra. Oh, maybe there's only five. I mean, I feel like there must be more, but I would probably start with those guys, and we would have like a nice um, space Asian dinner, and we would talk about what that means. And since they all come from different like awesome backgrounds I feel like everybody would have something cool to say um so yeah that's probably what I do and then for like other other space Asians so they don't feel left out I would have like a sequel dinner party and then hopefully I don't know I would get to have a dinner party with more than five people and we could all (laughs) have like a big space Asian party and I feel like somehow this ends with Afra like stealing something from my house and <laughs> I would still invite her back because it's just so much fun. <laughs> I bet Afra is an awesome dinner party guest. <laughs> I think she is, but I think then like as soon as like the next day, like you're like, oh God, like either she stole something or she brought some kind of alcohol that was like really strong or I don't know. I feel like the next day you you would have like some regret about it, but you would still invite her back just just because. Yeah, I feel like Olive, uh, you need to have like a progressive dinner where, you know, you start with like the set of five people <laughs> that you're inviting and that's like appetizers and then you move on to like the main course and then it's like the after party and that's where everyone shows up. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. I don't think we've had the Tico sisters yet um, invited to any of our any of our guest dinners, so this is a first. So I'm very excited because we we love the Tico yeah, sisters here. They, they can they can come <laughs> to any of my dinner parties. Me too. <laughs> Well, I think that is going to wrap up our show today. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking time to speak with us. We know you are super busy, so we really appreciate you taking a moment out of your day to come on to Sky Talkers. It was such a great conversation all about Afra, and I hope that if you're listening to this and you're okay with spoilers and haven't listened to the Afra audio drama yet, that you go and listen to it immediately because it is amazing and it is a lot, a lot of fun. 
Um, so where can people find you, Sarah? And what are you up to now that Afra is out in the world? Oh, uh, well, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, people can find me uh, different places on the internet. On Twitter, I'm just my name, Sarah Kuhn. On uh, Instagram, I'm Sarah Kuhn Books. And I have a website that probably needs to be updated that's just heroinecomplex.com, which is the name of my first book. It's heroin, like super heroin, not like the drug. Um, and as far as what I'm working on, um, I, we just released the fourth book of my Heroin Complex series. That's my um, uh, urban fantasy slash paranormal romance series uh, starring Asian American superheroines. So we just released the fourth book. It's called Haunted Heroin, and it's kind of the Halloween super special. Um, and I'm working on the fifth book of that series. Um, I also this year had a graphic novel come out called Shadow of the Batgirl, which is a, a DC Comics YA graphic novel about Cassandra Kane. And um, a, later in August, I have a graphic novel. Oh, the Batgirl not graphic novels with the artist Nicole Gu, who's awesome. And uh, later in August, I have another graphic novel coming out, which is uh, Archie. It's called The Riverdale Diaries. Hello, Betty. And it's basically Betty and Veronica and all their friends in middle school. That's with the artist Jay Bone. And he did really cute designs for all of them. Um, and then uh, next year, I have a new ya rom-com coming out called from little tokyo with love and it is basically set in la's beautiful little tokyo neighborhood it's kind of a love letter to that um so yeah i am always working on a few different things and those are i think the ones that are either either have just come out or coming out next Wow, you really, we've talked about how Afra is living her best life, but all the work that you just listed, you are living your best life. That is so awesome. Congratulations. And congratulations on the new book, by the way. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We just loved, loved the audiobook. So thank you again. And I hope you have a great night. Thank you. You too. Okay, so that was the end of our interview with Sarah Keown, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really loved her um, her Star Wars dinner party. Uh, like, I think I really hit the nail on the head when I was like, I think this needs to be a progressive dinner party, and I think that's where we need to go with this. <laughs> because it was like building and building to a bigger and bigger party, which I appreciate because the af- everyone knows that the after party is the real party. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> So true. So true. But thank you guys, as always, for listening. That is going to wrap up our show for this week. If you want to talk to us online, you can find us at Sky Talkers Pod on Twitter, where we're most active, or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Crarity. We also have our website, skytalkers.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email us wherever you want to find us. We're probably there. Just Google search Sky Talkers. And if you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, we would really appreciate it if you did. It helps other people find our show. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Ashley, Rad, Lindsay, Lola, Froppy, Kat, Dave, Nikki, Christina, Brendan, Anna, Emma, Lauren, and Hannah. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.